0: Welcome to Quarantine Seminary with Brother Isom. Hey, everybody, welcome back. I hope you guys are doing all right, and I hope um, your studies are going well. And that, uh, you're able to focus with all the things that are going on right now in our world, uh, specifically thinking about the election and, uh, the fact that we are still kind of in it. Um, I just want to say one thing with regard to the election before we jump into Isaiah or sorry, third Nephi chapter 20. Um, We've seen that, uh, just because people have voted, uh, anxieties are still high and there's going to be a lot of that. And, um, what I would recommend is finding opportunities to practice charity with, uh, people who are different than you and empathy for people who are different than you, um, This is a little like, I guess, outside of the scriptures, but not really. I mean, um, a nation is not a group of... Well, certainly our nation is not about being a group of people who are the same. That's not what it is to be united. If you are the same, you don't need to be united because you're just the same. You're just one thing. Um, We are... A nation of many things, of many people, of many different cultures, and opinions, and experiences. And part of being truly patriotic is about remembering that we don't have a monopoly on what it is to be American, and uh, that our experience is is legitimate. And it's real to us, but that other people's experience is just as legitimate and real to them. And uh, if we assume positive intent for everybody, which I think is a healthy way to go about living, then we should know that people are going to come to different opinions about policies and candidates and so forth. And that sometimes... The candidates and policies that we support are going to lose and sometimes the candidates and policies that we support are going to win and it should be like that in our country it should be the case that um that different voices get heard at different times and and uh if that process is, turns us against each other then uh Uh, that kind of undermines the basic idea of the United States. And so um, hopefully that process gives us hope. And hopefully, regardless of how we feel about uh, this election or what the results of this election, hopefully what we see in uh, the outcome is, is an opportunity to affirm our love for one another and our empathy and our willingness to listen and be patient with one another one another and humble in our own beliefs. And we'll try and make this world a better place. That's what uh, I invite you to look for. (coughs) Sorry, every time I record, I start coughing. So um, I know that's probably unpleasant for you to hear. So I'm sorry about that. Um, So let's get into third Nephi chapter 20. And uh, just to give you a little reminder of what has happened. um, Jesus has showed up again. And this is the second day so jesus showed up again and the he's kind of gone through that process of praying and coming back and praying and coming back and remember i compared that to his experience in gethsemane where he would pray and come back and find the disciples asleep and then go and pray and kind of suffer well certainly suffer and then come back and find them asleep again this is kind of the reverse he prays for unity he prays for like for blessings on the disciples and he comes back and finds them praying and throughout that process these disciples become transformed and purified and begin to look like jesus they're like apparently they're glowing um you know radiating that same divinity that jesus radiates so that's pretty incredible i mean this is happening in front of people they're seeing all of this happen and a lot of people right because the second day gathering is bigger than than the first day gathering um so at the beginning of chapter 20 with that context uh, <clears throat> jesus uh the sacrament He does the sacrament again remember they uh shared in the sacrament the the first day and now they're doing it again and so it says and it came to pass this is verse 1 that he commanded the multitude that they should cease to pray and, his, and also his disciples. And he commanded them that they should not cease to pray in their hearts. And he commanded them that they should arise and stand upon their feet. And they arose and stood upon their feet. And it came to pass that he brake bread again and blessed it and gave to his disciples to eat. And when they had eaten, he commanded them that they should break bread and give unto the multitude. And... When they had given unto the multitude, he also gave them wine to drink and commanded them that they should drink or that they should give unto the multitude. Um, Now, there had been no bread, neither wine brought by the disciples, neither by the multitude. But he truly gave unto them bread to eat and also wine to drink. And he said unto them, he that eateth this bread, eateth of my body to his soul. And he that drinketh of this wine, drinketh of my blood to his soul and his soul shall never hunger nor thirst, but shall be filled. Now, when the multitude had all eaten and drunk, behold, they were all filled with the Spirit, and they did cry out with one voice and gave glory to Jesus, whom they both saw and heard. Now, there's so much here ringing through from uh, what we know about Jesus' ministry in the New Testament. I'm thinking specifically in the book of john where jesus is at the well and he's talking to this <laughs> samaritan woman and he says drink of me and you'll never thirst again and she's like or you know drink of the waters of life and and you'll never thirst again the samaritan woman's like what are you talking about and he basically says i'm the messiah to her and uh and it's such an interesting image. Like Jesus, clearly, this is an image that he uses over and over again. Um, after he feeds miraculously thousands in um, the New Testament, he teaches this pr- <clears throat> this principle, this is my body, this is my blood. And people kind of have a hard time with it. Um, and some people actually leave him because it's... It, Maybe it feels a little weird or sacrilegious or something like that. But, you know, there's when we think about unity, which clearly, you know, we were talking about sacrament as an ordinance of unity before. There are boundaries to to who we are as people. Right. There's there's a place where I stop and you start. Um, and there's probably space in between there and maybe those boundaries aren't as physical as we think and maybe we blend into each other a little bit more i certainly know that that my family has blended into me right and i've blended into them my wife has i my wife's personality has become kind of part of my personality in a certain way she's a voice in my head now and i think vice versa and and so maybe we don't start and stop where our bodies start and stop. But, um, but this idea of take me and, and eat of my body, drink of my blood, um, there's a kind of an internalization of who Jesus is, right? I'm going to internalize Jesus into my life, not just sit next to him, not just stare at him in the face, but I'm, I'm going to have Jesus in my heart. I'm going to have him in uh, my lungs, in my no, like energy that's moving through my body that keeps me going. That's where Jesus is going to be. That's where his body and <laughs> his blood is. He's in my soul, right? Drink of this bread to your soul. Drink of this or eat of this bread to your soul. Drink of this wine to your soul is what he says. And the result of it is that there's this incredible unity among the people. They cry out with one voice because they're filled with the same spirit. Um, There's a transformation that's happening. And it's visible externally. It has real clear external implications for how they're going to treat each other in day-to-day life. But it begins internally. They're transformed from the inside out. And that transformation is real because we can see it and and measure it and the way they treat each other and we're going to get there but it's profound and powerful because it starts within them they're changing from the inside out as they're going through this process again we got to think what's our experience with the sacrament like and uh are we eating bread To our bodies or are we eating bread to our souls are we drinking water in our case it's water we're drinking water just to our bodies just to drink are we drinking it to our souls and what's where where's the savior in that and what are the fruits of that in our relationship with one another uh at church for sure but uh outside of church too again In a world where division is popular, not just where it exists, but people are actively applauding division in a lot of ways, Jesus is teaching unity here. Okay. Um, Moving on to kind of the next section, starting in verse 10, going to verse 20. He's going to, he had started to teach something on the first day and realized that they couldn't quite handle it. And so he slowed down, said, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to go in too deep here. Go home, pray, discuss this, ponder it, come back. And now clearly their capacity has been raised, right? The disciples are now like glowing. The people as a whole, they've just now unified their hearts and minds. They're all receiving of the spirit because of the sacrament. And now Jesus is going to teach them. And he's going to teach them uh, about the Abrahamic covenant. Same thing that he was teaching them before he stopped. Okay, Starting in verse 10, after they had given glory to Jesus, he said, Behold, now I finish the commandment which my father hath commanded me concerning this people who are remnant of the house of Israel. Yet remember that I spake unto you and said that when the words of Isaiah should be fulfilled, this is Isaiah 52, 8 through 10, um, Behold, they are... Are written ye have them before you therefore search them and verily verily I say unto you that when they shall be fulfilled then is the fulfilling of the covenant with the Father made unto this people remember he made that distinction between the law and the covenant the law had been fulfilled Jesus is now the law the covenant has not been fulfilled and Israel still has promises that are <clears throat> that are given it the world's going to keep turning here And then shall this verse 13, then shall the remnants, which are scattered upon the face of the earth, be gathered in from the east and from the west, from the south and from the north. And they shall be brought to the knowledge of the Lord, their God, who hath redeemed them. And the father hath commanded me that I should give unto you this land for your inheritance. So there's that gathering image. Remember, gathering is a huge part of the Abrahamic covenant gathering in scattered Israel again, you got to think if they're coming from the East and coming from the West and other word, other places it says from the four quarters of the earth, there's going to be a lot of diversity there. A lot of diversity of, uh, of appearance, of nationality, of culture, and they're all going to be gathered in, okay? And unified in spirit through Christ. But, <clears throat> He's prophesying about this in the last days. And before he was talking about the Gentiles are going to be a really important part of this process because they're going to receive these things. In other words, they're going to receive the Book of Mormon. And then using the Book of Mormon, they're going to be gathering in. They're going to help in the gathering. And if they help in the gathering, they'll also be included and numbered among the House of Israel. This is all things that he's already taught. So he's going to go deeper into this. Here he's going to use the Book of Micah, to help teach some things about what's going to happen in the last days. And Micah was a prophet probably in the 7th century BC. Um, And he uh, so this is before Lehi and his family left. So it's likely that if the Nephites had the book of Isaiah, they also had the book of Micah. The two share a lot of things in common. And Micah focused on true Israel not being about performances, but being about justice and mercy and the covenant of the heart. And, uh, and so, uh, pay attention to what Micah (coughs) says here. So in verse 15, Jesus is about to lead into quoting Micah says, and I say unto you that if the Gentiles do not repent after that blessing, which they shall receive, that's the book of Mormon and the restoration that follows. So after that, if the Gentiles, remember Gentiles being Western European settlers in the West, especially, especially after they have scattered my people, describing colonization, here he starts quoting Micah in verse 16, then shall ye who are a remnant of the house of Jacob go forth among them and ye shall be in the midst of them who shall be many, and ye shall be among them as a lion among the beasts of the forest, and as a young lion among the flocks of sheep, who if he goeth through them both treadeth down and teareth in pieces, and none can deliver. They, Thy hand shall be lifted up upon thine adversaries, and all thine enemies shall be cut off. Ooh, that's not warm and fuzzy. Okay, that's... So he's talking to the remnant of the house of Jacob, specifically on this land in the Americas uh, that he's given to the house of Jacob for the inheritance. And then these Gentiles have the opportunity to either participate in the covenant or to, and repent of the damage that they've done to the house of Israel, scattering the people. Or if they don't repent of that, It seems like the remaining part of the house of Jacob in this land is going to do some real damage to the Gentiles and um, so that they'll, they will be able to reclaim the land that is theirs. Okay. Now I'm not going to (coughs) go and try and predict all the ways that that might happen, but um, he's speaking about our day and the conduct of um of those who are identified as gentiles to those who are a remnant of the house of israel specifically descendants of lamanites and how we treat them in this country in this land maybe not just this country probably in canada probably in mexico i don't know how how far this this stretches but the conduct there and there's a you know if if we've received gifts from the House of Israel, we've received the Book of Mormon, that's a gift from the House of Israel. If we've received the Bible, that's a gift from the House of Israel. If you're if you've received a gift, the appropriate thing is to reciprocate. So what's the gift that we can you like give to the House of Israel to reciprocate? Well, we can help gather them in using the records that we've received from them. And if we don't, that's that's we're not we're not being grateful for the gift and clearly that has consequences here so i'm not going to play out all the possibilities of what that might look like i think that that's probably dangerous territory um but it's something to ponder in verse 18 and 19 and 20 the lord continues and i will gather my people together as a man gathereth his sheaves into the floor this is sheaves of wheat for I will make my people with whom the Father hath covenanted. Yea, I will make thine horn iron, these are symbols of power. And I will make thy hooves brass, and thou shalt beat in pieces many people. Again, pretty aggressive imagery here. And I will consecrate their gain, these are the descendants. <clears throat> I will consecrate their gain, the people that are beaten to pieces, and their substance unto the Lord of the whole earth. And behold, I am he who doeth do with it. And it shall come to pass, saith the Father, that the swords of my justice shall hang over them at that day, except they repent, it shall fall upon them, saith the Father, yea, even upon all the nations of the Gentiles. Again, there's your warning, okay? Either either you're helping or you get the consequences of, of how you've scattered Israel jesus shifts a little bit he's jumping all over the scriptures he quoted isaiah now he then he quoted micah and now he's about to quote acts chapter three and this is one of peter's um, sermons in the book of acts that jesus is about to quote about the gathering of israel here and he says starting in 21 it shall come to pass that i will establish my people o house of of Israel, and behold this people will establish in the land unto the fulfilling of the covenant which I made unto your father Jacob, and it shall be a new Jerusalem, this land, our land, shall be a new Jerusalem, and the powers of heaven shall be in the midst of this people, yea, even I will be in their midst of you. And this is where he starts quoting Acts three, this is verse twenty two through twenty six. Behold I am he of whom Moses spake, saying, A prophet shall the Lord God raise up unto you for your brethren, like unto me. Him shall ye hear in all things whatsoever he shall say unto you, and it shall come to pass that every soul who will not hear that prophet shall be cut off from among the people. Verily I say unto you, yea, and all the prophets from Samuel and those that follow after, as many as have spoken unto you have testified of me. And behold, ye are the house, the children of the prophets, and ye are of the house of Israel, and ye are the covenant which the Father of the covenant which the Father made with your father, saying unto Abraham, In thy seed shall all the kindreds of the earth be blessed. The Father having raised me up unto you first and sent me to bless you in turning away uh, every one of you from your iniquities, and this because ye are the children of the covenant. That's, I think, a really beautiful summary of what the Abrahamic covenant is. In thy seed shall all the kindreds of the earth be blessed. And Jesus came to the children of Abraham first, to turn them from their iniquities because they're children of the covenant, but he's also gonna work through the Gentiles, right? Because that's that's his that's his way of doing things, turning people towards each other. <coughs> um, and so if you move on, uh, he kind of expands on this idea of, in thy seed shall all the kindreds of the earth be blessed. And one of the ways that, it, Israel blesses all the kindreds of the earth in a primary way is through scripture, and um, and that's what he elaborates on in starting in verse twenty seven. But in verse twenty eight, um, he really, I mean, we see the restoration in this. He says, uh, "When they shall receive the fullness of my gospel, think about Book of Mormon, think about the restoration, then." if they shall harden their hearts against me, I will return their iniquities upon their own heads. And I will remember my covenant which I have made with my people. Again, the Book of Mormon, the restoration, that's not just supposed to stop at the wall of the church. It's supposed to have impact in how we treat others and how we gather others in. And there's consequences to not... um, not following through with that. And Jesus outlines those. Um, and starting at verse 30, he transitions again into starting to quote Isaiah. My, a lot of people get really freaked out about Isaiah. Um, but my recommendation is to take a deep breath and look for the big themes. Don't get caught up in all the, um, the little details. Look for the big themes and focus on the Abrahamic covenant. And um, these chapters here, or these verses here, verses 30 through really the end of the chapter, 46, are some of the most beautiful verses from Isaiah. He um, talks about this kind of gathering in that happens, this fulfillment of prophecy. And he calls Zion to, to stand up and to, to be the promised city that it's supposed to be. Be the promised people that it's supposed to be. Put on thy sh- beautiful garments, O Jerusalem. Live up to what I'm calling you to be as, as covenant people. Um, how beautiful upon the mountains. This is verse 40. How beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of him who bringeth tidings unto them. Good tidings unto them that publisheth peace uh, over and over again, that concept comes out in the book of Mormon as a reference to prophets, as a reference to us, as a reference to Jesus. And he's calling us to be beautiful, to put on beautiful garments, to be be beautiful, to have beautiful feet, not because we're inherently better than anybody, but because, um, because we live the law of the Lord, and we love Him, and we love others, and the message that we bring, we publish peace. We have good tidings unto them. That's literally the meaning of the gospel. Of gospel, the word gospel is good, good news. Um, and we gather in people through persuasion and love, and not necessarily through force. Um, and that's kind of the vision here in Isaiah. So I'm not going to go verse by verse here uh, through it, but I would, you know, don't be afraid of Isaiah just because it's poetic. Um, he's describing some really beautiful things. And even if you don't understand every single little bit of, um, of like reference or metaphor in here, try and just get the feeling, the elevated feeling of these verses. And that's what the Lord is calling us to, to live up to that. Um, and the last verse of the chapter is verily, verily, I say unto you, all these things shall surely come, even as the Father hath commanded me. Then shall this covenant, which the Father hath co- covenanted with his people, shall be fulfilled. And then shall Jerusalem be inhabited again with my people and shall be a land of their inheritance. Um, there's Jerusalem, which is in the old world, the new Jerusalem in the new world. Both can be Zion. And this is a global vision. Uh, Jesus is really focused on the Abrahamic covenant. You're, I hope you get sick of me talking about the Abrahamic covenant because that is what Jesus is talking about. And um, clearly he thinks it's important enough to say it and say it and say it again. And uh, if that's the case, and he's talking about our day, which he absolutely is, it's something we need to pay attention to. He's calling us. Jew, Gentile, remnant of Jacob, whatever whoever we are, he's call, <coughs> calling us to participate in the gathering, to utilize the fullness of the gospel, to repent of how we've treated each other, and to put on the beautiful garments of the gospel, to, to live up to our covenants and to um, be beautiful because of our conduct as opposed to uh, our wealth or our power or our status. And uh, what an an amazingly relevant message for right now in our day. Please be empathetic towards each other and loving towards each other. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen. (laughs)